You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Mohammed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking Rates and Lanes. Let's move on down the audio road. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Rico Mohammed coming to you live from Forest Park, Georgia. Uh, tonight, we wanted to broach a little bit of a broach the subject of how to survive in a down market. Things kind of not as good as they used to be last year. I've been hearing a lot of chatter, a lot of talk about people uh, really contemplating on hanging hanging some stuff up, you know, giving up their authority, going back to doing some other things. And that really kind of gave me a little bit of concern. So I wanted to uh, take an opportunity to try to, when we had Chuck Snow on, and maybe tap into some of his experience over the years to maybe give us some different pointers and tips that we might be able to implement. And it's time to, you know, of course, when there's tough times and things like that, this is the perfect opportunity to kind of evaluate uh, what it is that you're doing, you know, reevaluate your business model, see what you can do that uh, makes some changes for the better to tweak your system to get you back into the black and out of the red. So we want to kind of go into that a little bit tonight. So if you got any questions about your business or if you got any uh, comments or suggestions, you know, by all means, go ahead and press the number one that puts you in the uh, queue. So we can try to get you up and on board with us tonight. I want to um, start out the way that we normally do all of the Rachel Lane podcasts. Of course, we're going to talk about a little bit. We're going to start out with the USDA truck, fruit and vegetable truck rate report, if I can talk tonight. Goodness gracious. Um, and tonight, the report is there's a little bit of movement that's going on on the report, not necessarily for the good. Uh, there's only one area that is showing a slight shortage of trucks, and that area is eastern North Carolina. And, of course, if you know anything about the regions and what comes out of where, eastern North Carolina, that's going to indicate uh, sweet potatoes. Of course, that's kind of a little bit in my backyard since I operate in that, in that area a good little bit. And I'm here to tell you that the report is off, it's, it's off a, a little bit because there's not a whole lot of sweet potatoes moving right now out of uh, eastern North Carolina. I've got a couple of direct contacts up that way and it's not a whole whole lot there is still some movement and it's pretty year round there's some movement of the sweet potatoes out of eastern north carolina but right now it's not uh as as robust as this report would may may uh lend you to think uh the other areas that you might want to be careful of that and like i said that is the only area indicated on the uh report and i'll put a link up for this on the uh rates and lanes facebook page also, if you're not a member of, if you're not a, um, you haven't liked the Rachel Lane's Facebook page, by all means, please go there right now. Click on the like. We're going to try and develop two sources for industry news, industry information. We're going to be trying to share a lot more details, a lot more stuff over that way to kind of help you along to uh, make different changes and, and adapt different things for your business model as well. And the people that we kind of cater to is, is the small truck driver. You know, the small, the, let me rephrase, not the small truck driver, the small trucking company. Uh, someone that may have one truck or uh, maybe up to 10 or 15 trucks. Uh, you know, we want to try the, the small fleet and, and the guys that are out here actually stealing the trucks. We're, the, we're 
trying to be a resource for you guys, trying to be a go-to place where we can try to help provide you with, uh, we try to bring Henry Seaton on so that you got a, an access to some type of legal, um, legal advice. We try to bring on different mentors and things like that. that you know, we try to bring on people like uh, Chuck Snow, of course, with all the years of experience he got both on the brokerage side and on the truckload side. And we also are trying to bring on more and more industry experts to give you more insight as to give you a, a get you a little bit more ahead of the curve than what your competition may be. Uh, but back to the fruit and vegetable truck rate report, the other areas that you might want to avoid, or if you're going in there, you want to make sure that you're taking your back haul with you, uh, Central San Joaquin Valley, California, Kern District, California, Oxnard District, California, Salinas, Watsonville, California, Santa Maria, California. And as you notice, there, there seems to be a trend here. California is, is really big on that. California is one of the biggest food-producing states that, that, that we have in the United States. And I, I issued a, um, I, I shared an article on the Race and Lane page that talked about a couple of days ago how, that, how big of a hit that uh, uh, California has been taking when it comes to the food and everything out that way, the, the shipments coming out of there. Back to the report, Big Lake in central Minnesota, Mississippi. These are all areas that you might want to avoid or make sure you take your backhaul with you. Texas and Mexico crossing through Texas. Those are all areas that are uh, showing a slight surplus of trucks. And those, every other market on the report is showing uh, adequate supply of trucks or slight surpluses. The only place that is showing a slight shortage, like I mentioned earlier, was Eastern North Carolina. So, Moving right along, jumping into the DAT trend lines report for this week, September 13th through the 19th. Uh, load to truck ratios declined for all three equipment types in the first full week following Labor Day. Band rates were down two cents, while national average reefer rates slipped one cent. Meanwhile, flatbed rates rose one cent per mile nationally. We're going to jump into and get into a little bit deeper on these on this report. Uh, for the drive van segment, we're going to talk about the national van demand and capacity for September 13th through the 19th. Actually, indicates that there was a decline in demand since last week was the first full week following the Labor Day, with five full work days instead of four. A 20 to 25 percent increase would have been expected. Truck capacity rose for the same reason, but at higher rates, up 31.1 percent. The resulting load to truck ratio decreased 19.7% to 1.6 loads per truck. Band spot market rates declined two cents per mile. Capacity was down again in August. Van load posting post dropped 4% in August compared to July, but capacity also declined 7%. The load to truck ratio rose by 3%, but after rounding that number, held steady at a 1.8 load per truck uh, ratio. Compared to the typical conditions of August 2014, the ratio has declined by 45%. Um, national load to truck ratio, we're going to take a look back for the whole week, uh, for, the, for the past month, um, has been hanging steadily right around that, right around two, to one ratio, two loads to every one uh, truck that's available nationally. And of course, as I've always told you, when it comes to drive vans from everything that I've 
the research that I've done and my familiarity with the DHT product, as long as that number is below three, three to one ratio, uh, you're going to be in a fight with the brokers to try to get a good rate. You're going to be in a fight to try to get that rate up because it's a supply and demand situation. Of course, and like I said, we're on the spot market, and the spot market has been really, really tough all year long. So that's kind of why, like I said, reason why we want to try to delve into the subject matter that we're going to get into tonight. With no further ado, let's move on to the band rates. Um, September 13th through the 19th, number of loads available per truck fell last week, and the national average for van rate slipped another two cents down to $1.75 per mile. Prices were down in most markets, but outbound rates held steady. Yeah, the average van rate in August was six cents lower than in July, due partially to four cents drop in the average fuel surcharge. The monthly average of $1.75 per mile was 25 cents below the rate for August 2014, also due to the fuel price decline. That shaves 23 cents per mile off of the average surcharge. So, taking a quick look across the country, starting out in the northeastern portion of the United States, we have Philadelphia, Pennsylvania checking in, showing a $1.90 per mile on average for dry vans. Moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, Atlanta, Georgia checks in, showing an average rate for dry vans at $1.77 per mile. Moving into the Midwest, outbound. National van rates for Chicago were at $2.03 per mile, which sets a high watermark for dry vans. Moving into the south-central portion of the United States, Dallas, Texas, shows an average rate of $1.68 per mile. And coming out of Los Angeles, California, showing an average rate of $2.03 per mile on average, coming out of the City of Angels on the West Coast for dry vans. Moving on, on over to the flatbed demand segment, of the report, flatbed load availability rose 19% and truck posting increased 31.6%. Last week was the first full week following Labor Day, so a 20 to 25% increase in load board activity would have been typical. As a result, the number of loads available per truck dropped 9.6% from 11.3 down to 10.2. Despite the national added one cents per mile. Moving on into, uh, let's see, flatbed freight availability failed 14% in August and capacity added 3%. As a result, the load to truck ratio dropped 16% from 13.5 in July to 11.3 in August. Compared to the unusual high demand of 2014, the ratio for Flatbeds has dropped, has declined 69% from August of 2014. Let's see what the rates are doing for flatbeds. For the week average nationally, $2.04 nationally, a one cent increase despite a decline in the number of flatbed loads available per truck. August rates were down for flatbeds 7 cents compared to July with a 3 cents drop. And the average fuel surcharge compared to 2014, the total rate has fallen 35 cents per mile, including a 24 cents decline in the fuel surcharge. Um, nationally, the rates for flatbeds coming out of the eastern portion of the United States, Harrisburg, 
the representative city showing $3.32 per mile on average. Coming out of Atlanta, an average, the average flatbed rate shows $2.43 per mile. That's coming out of the southeastern portion of the United States. Moving into the Midwest, Rock Island shows an average rate of $2.10, shows an average rate of $2.22. And rounding out the report and actually showing the low watermark for flatbed freight coming out of the West Coast, Phoenix, Arizona shows an average rate of $1.78 per mile. Moving right along, moving over into the reefer demand segment for September 13th through the 19th. Reefer load postings increased 6.4%, but a 20 to 25% increase would have been expected since last week was the first full week following the Labor Day holiday. Truck postings were more typical, climbing 26.5%. The load to truck ratio shrank. 5.9% from 5.2 down to 4.4 loads per truck. The national average reefer rate slipped one cent per mile. Reefer loads were down 2% in August compared to July, while capacity declined 7%. The resulting load to truck ratio rose 5% from 4.5 up to 4.7 loads per truck. Compared to the typical results from August 2014, ratio dropped. 53%. Um, I wanted to try to get into, I must have missed that portion of the report. Uh, but let's go move on over to the rates. Uh, reefer rate slipped one cent for the national average down to 2003 cents per mile. Fall harvest boost outbound rates in the Pacific Northwest and parts of the upper Midwest. August reefer rates dropped nine cents from the July average, which included a four cents drop in the average fuel surcharge year over year. Reefer spot market rates were down 25 cents in August, but 23 cents out of that 25 cents is due to a decline in the fuel surcharge. Moving throughout the country, showing the average rates coming out of the uh, eastern portion of the United States, Elizabeth, New Jersey shows an average rate for reefers at $1.82 per mile. Coming out of Lakeland, Florida, which is the south central, I'm sorry, the southeastern portion of the United States representative city for reefers showing an average rate of $1.32 per mile. The high water mark for reefers coming out of the Midwest, $2.97 per mile. That rate is coming out of Green Bay, Wisconsin. Moving into the south central portion of the United States, McAllen, Texas shows an average reefer rate of $1.64 per mile. And coming out of the west coast, Wrapping up the reefer rate report, an average rate of $1.95 is shown coming out of Fresno, California. And with no further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's see. I think we got Chuck up on board online with us right now. Let's see if that's if I've got the right line. Chuck, is that you? It is, Rico. How are you? I am well, sir, and yourself? I'm good, thank you. Interesting stuff going on in our industry. Like always, it really is, and I don't know if you if you got a chance to catch us when we first came in, Chuck, and and like we talked about a little earlier, I, I you know I really wanted to take an opportunity, to, I, and I kind of observed a couple of different things on a couple of different um, groups that I'm involved in on Facebook, and and uh, I may not I may not per se uh, uh, write a lot of stuff anymore on Facebook as much as I used to, 
but I'm, I'm always trying to observe and see what's going on. And, I, and I've seen a, diff, a lot of different conversations that were going on. And, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of people, you know, the sky is falling and, you know, and I know it's not always that bad, you know, uh, but I just wanted to try to do my little part and, and, and try to pay it forward a little bit and see what it is that, you know, you've been around and tap into your vast experience. This is not your first rodeo and you've been around for quite some time and you've happened to, you, you've seen some of the ups and downs and the peaks and valleys. And I know that business is always changing and it may not be the exact same thing that you've experienced, but you have enough experience, uh, I think to, to maybe give us a little insight as to some of the things that, you know, we might be able to do. And, and I know a lot of it may be probably involved, just probably get down to the basic stuff that we probably should have been doing all alone, but they have neglected because of, the hustle and bustle of trying to go out here and make something happen. You know, uh, maybe you can start us out and, and maybe point us in a direction uh, to give us some different tips and insights on, on some of the things that we can do in a tough market to uh, give us some different tips and uh, tactics and strategies that we might be able to tap into to uh, to get us get the ship turned around. Well, we're into some, there's no two doubts, we're into some different times, and I think two of the the biggest game changers that are creating this excess of equipment is you've got that whole oil field area uh, in both our countries. But we're going to talk about your country uh, tonight because it's mostly American people. So you've got the Dakotas and in through there um, where you know it was hot because of fracking and everything else, and now it's suddenly uh, oil's not the and energy isn't what it was a year ago. So all of those trucks are available for other work. Then you've got California, which is really, really, especially on the reefer freight. And, and what normally happens is your reefer freight gets tight in California. There's not a lot of it during the summer because you've got all local produce being grown throughout North America for periods of time. And depending on what area, you know, some of the areas are, have a longer growing season than others. So we have that combined with a drought, combined with fires up and down the Pacific coast. And California, as far as freight, is just like the weather. It's a drought. There is not nearly the amount of freight uh, that there is historically, even this time of year, out of California. So you have all those trucks that normally do load out of California that aren't going there, and they're putting pressure on all these other areas. Now, I do not have a crystal ball, and I can't tell you whether California is going to come back or is not going to come back because this drought is really, really serious. And it's had devastating effects. And even if they got rain tomorrow and plenty of it, it wouldn't be enough to to really fix the problem. Um, so... All of those trucks that were doing that other work are now pouncing on everybody else's turf. And that's what's creating this. So I think we need to relook at what we all do because we all have more competition than we probably did six months or a year ago. And remember, like I always say, trucking is accounting. So just because our fuel has gone down, that's not a reason to really celebrate because if we work on percentages and let's say you're a great operator and you work on 10% profit, 
um, I got to tell you, ten percent of two dollars and twenty cents a mile is a whole lot more money than ten percent at a dollar seventy-five a mile. So that's why things are tight because fuel has gone down, rates have gone down, and all this extra uh, capacity has come onto the market. And then, as you mentioned before about the spot market, uh, it's dried up a little bit, and I think some of that has to do with some of the larger companies, the you know the big mega carriers, have put equipment into those companies that were playing the spot market game, and that really affects the little guy. So it's time to re-strategize, and what can we do? And that's what that's what this is leading to. And I think the most important thing that small carriers can do, whether you're one truck or ten trucks right now, is you really need to be focused on a game. What is your lane? And quite often in these times, maybe the lane that you've been playing with historically just isn't there and maybe it's not coming back. And maybe going around chasing produce isn't where you want to be in future if you're going to make it. Uh, Maybe figure out something, you know, depending on where you live. Excuse me. An awful lot of... um, what we do has to do with where we you know where we where we live and what are the opportunities in your areas you know if you're in a uh, you know if you're in a highly industrial area and you're pulling a reefer and maybe it's just not working for you maybe you need to look at running dry vans or maybe you need to go into the open deck business but you have to look at the other opportunities the other thing that you need to look at in these times and I think people have taken their eye off the prize is costs. You know, everybody for the last couple of years has been really busy because we've had a capacity crunch. And I think some people are wrongly informed because fuel has gone down in price. Uh, Fuel is still a large percentage of our costs. And I think that some of us are not being as fuel efficient as we need to be. And when you get into these tough times, you need to keep your overhead down. And fuel being next to labor is still a very large portion of our overhead. What else can we do? You know, maybe we can get more miles out of our tires by making sure that they're aired up. You know, it's all these little things. What what else can we do to be more profitable by saving money? And I'm not talking about risking safety. I'm just talking about maybe driving a little bit slower. Maybe don't drive at 65 or 70. Maybe get it down to 60 miles an hour. Is that going to add to the bottom line? We have to do all those things as small operators in order to get our cost down, especially in these times. And that's my best advice overall is to do those things. And I think we need to hear what people are facing, and we can tell them. You and I spoke before about some of the um, owner-operators out there and small carriers being willing to just uh, get rid of their own authority now and go back to working for carriers. And that may be a really good idea in certain cases, depending on, again, where you live and what you do. You may do better. By the time you pay for your insurance and your license plates and, and your overhead and everything else, it may not be worth it in these times, and you may do better, you know, be better off signing up with a large carrier or a small carrier that's going to help with some of those overheads. Remember, you may be insuring one to five trucks, but somebody that's insuring 20 trucks or or 3,000 trucks is going to get a much better price on insurance. 
they'll probably be getting a better price on fuel too, which all translates back into your pocket. When things get tough, the, the market changes like this, and there sometimes is not as many opportunities for the smaller operator to represent himself. So you'll be taking work from brokers in this market, and some of the brokers are taking advantage of the fact that there are an awful lot of trucks out there. And that's something else you have to exactly. consider. And that pushes the price down. thing that I've noticed, Chuck, and uh, maybe you can speak to this a little bit, you know, putting on your broker hat for just a second. Um, and, and, and I don't think that all brokers do this, but I, I've been seeing that a good bit of brokers. And when you're out here on the spot market, when you're doing, when you're calling on those and trying to check and, and you're on the spot market, as much as uh, some people are, some people exclusively, all of their freight comes predominantly off of the low boards, and, you know, they don't know any other way of how to get any freight. And of course, we've always been a proponent here of talking about going and trying to establish relationships and getting more customers. And even if your customer happens, well, let me rephrase this. Your customer is a broker, because ultimately that, that person is the one that's going to be cutting your check, so that is your customer. But even if you have to, if you don't have the, 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 the means to go out and go to whoever it is whose freight that you're hauling, if, you, if you're invoicing a third-party provider, that's still your customer. But if you can cultivate that relationship and maybe get on something where it's a dedicated run, where it's something that you're doing over and over again, uh, one, of the, one tip that I want to throw out there, you know, if, if you're going to a different place all of the time, that's probably not a very good, very good for your business model. I, I understand that a lot of us get in the trucking for the freedom and everything, and you want to do change the scenery, so on and so forth. But that may not be that may not be the wisest business decision. Um, so, as business owners and people that are that are running a business, I want us to try to think more deliberately about the things and activities that we're doing. And that's one of the things that I want to see if you could, uh, but, but, but going to my original point back to the spot market is that I'm noticing that I'm sure I'm seeing an average rate that is, that is being put out there through a lot of, uh, services, but I'm showing, I'm seeing that when you're actually calling on those, that that average rate is anywhere from two to $400 off of the average going rate in that particular lane on the spot market. And um, wondering, can you can you maybe give us a little insight on as as to what exactly is going on with that? Well, there's a couple things going on. Um, number one, you do have an awful lot of customers that are pricing every single load. There's no two doubts about it, and they're working on on the spot markets, and they're getting two or three brokers to compete, and they're driving costs down. And, you know, we have customers like that ourselves, you know, uh, that's just how they operate. And then you have other customers that, um, you give them a rate and from point A to point B, and sometimes you have to lose money in order to service that customer. So of course, when you have an opportunity to make some extra money, because there's an awful lot of trucks, you do it in order to make the money back that you're losing. So it works both ways. But, and, you know, getting back to your other point, you made a great point about, I guess, the, the individuals 
individuals out there that want the freedom to, to go everywhere, you know, just free in a truck. Um, if you want to do that, you're going to go broke because you're not going to have a lot of strong relationships with brokers or customers or anything else because you're not running anywhere steady. And if you really want freedom, uh, grow your hair long and buy a Harley. And go out on the highway. Leave a truck at home. That'll be freedom. You know, if you've got a truck, you've got a business. You have invested in a business. Act like it. These are businesses. You don't want to be right. a statistic of business failure. You want to be a success. And I think some of the some of the areas. This is where people get creamed. Um, you know, you. You know, you were mentioning, I think, Green Bay, uh, Wisconsin area, the freight rate was great out of there. And you get there, and there's a high, or you think there's a high freight rate. So you go to Green Bay, you get there, and you call some broker, and he finds out you're from Podunk, Idaho, and you've never been there before, and you're not coming back, and you need to load back to Idaho. He's going to give you a cheaper rate, and he's going to pocket that money or give that rate to the customer. If he knows you're desperate, so either he's already got a rate in place of let's say two thousand dollars, and uh, and last week he had to pay twenty two hundred dollars to get it moved, and he knows damn well you have to get back to Idaho, and he may offer you seventeen because he's going to try to make up the money that he lost the week before, or again if he's got a client who's a rate of the day client, and he says you know what I. You'll do it for 17 and they'll call the customer and say, listen, I got some guy from Podunk, Idaho, and he'll do it for 18 or 18.50. And that's what brings rates down quite often is we've got all these people in the continent running all over the place. And I think that's where it takes some business discipline. And you need to figure out what you're going to do and run a certain lane, and that's what you should do. You know, if you look at successful business models of any in any business and getting back to what we were talking about uh when I was in Kansas City and I was you know I was uh, had that opportunity to give that seminar you really need to pick a business model that works for you um and business is very similar trucking business is very similar to the restaurant business and to farming and one of the similarities <laughs> is Go ahead. I want, to, I want to chime in real quick. I want to ask a question as far as your with your business experience. Um, when you're going out and making a sales call, what happens to be the best day of the week in order to actually be able to get a hold of somebody uh, and actually be able to possibly secure um, some direct sales? And the reason I'm wanting to ask that question is, during the middle portion of the week, say your, your Wednesdays and Thursdays, or is it better on Mondays and Tuesdays? And of course, Friday, I don't know if Friday's a dead day or, or, or not from your, you know, you've got more experience in this area. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to pose that question to you. And the reason I want to pose that question, I want some of our listeners and people that, that may be thinking about, well, okay, well, maybe I'm, I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to go take a chance and go out here and make a sales call or whatever. And, and what day of the week, that, you know, maybe if they if they make a long weekend and say they get in on a, on a Friday or a Saturday, but they instead of them going back out on that Monday, they make a deliberate effort to say, okay, I'm going to try to make at least five sales calls this Monday before I get ready to go back out on the road. 
or try to book something that picks up later on mon- late Monday evening or whatever and, and maybe try to go out and try to see if they can make some, shake some hands and drum up some stuff. Do something to get the phone to ring other than posting the truck on the low board. Well, it's first of all, there's if, you know that question. There, the answer to that question is what's the best number on a roulette wheel? Because it's the same thing. First of all, people hide behind voicemail today. It's an epidemic, and you just have to keep making those calls. And there's no best time or no best day. Best time is quite often in the early, early in the morning. It's just like going to your favorite fishing hole. It's usually the earlier the better, but not always. Um, it's very difficult to reach people these days. Once you reach them or once you even get their voicemail, to leave a voicemail on Monday and get back in the truck on Tuesday and not call them for another week or two, that's about what 85% of the salespeople out there do, and that's why they're not successful. You have to keep calling and calling and calling until you get them. And you always leave a message so they get familiar when you call. Hi, this is Rico Muhammad. Uh, I want to speak to you regarding your freight needs going from Atlanta to Charlotte. So at least when he picks up his voicemail, he goes, oh, okay, this guy runs from Atlanta to um, Charlotte. What many salespeople do is they don't leave a message. Well, what was the point of doing that? You know, that's like going up to the, you know, going up to a girl at the dance and not asking her to dance. So you need to leave the message. There is no great days. Um, Sometimes even, believe it or not, Friday can be a great day because you may not have as much competition on a Friday because they're not getting as many calls. People are being inundated with telephone calls from non-asset-based entities. They're getting, you know, some of them are getting 20 and 30 calls a week, sometimes even more than that. So... You know, if you do it early in the morning, you have a better chance. If you call a guy at uh, 3 in the afternoon and he's already had a rough day and he's had five other calls, he may be a little curt with you. He may also want to hear from you because you called at the right time. He may have just had a problem with a carrier or a problem with a shipment or many problems, and you may be able to help him. So you got to just keep putting yourself out there. That's the only way you can do this. And I just want to put out there, too, I know we got quite a few people on the line. If you got a question, if you or a comment that you want to share, uh, anything that you want to put out there, press number one, put you in line for the call screen. We'll get right to you. You can ask myself or Chuck a question. Um, so, Chuck, when you're dealing with, you know, like I said, I, I'm, they say someone could build up a list, start doing their research during the weekend or whatever free time that they have on potential people that they want to target as far as the type of freight that they move with their equipment type, maybe go ahead and compile themselves a list. And while they're out, try to go ahead while they're out running, make those phone calls while they're on the road or whatever. I know that, you know, um, while they have time while they're out and secure that appointment time so that when they come in on off of the road for that Monday or come in early, say Thursday and make their appointment for Friday, they, they've already kind of uh, established that appointment time to go in there and sit down and talk with somebody. What do you What do you think about that? You know what? It's a step in the right direction. It really is. It's uh, total. You know, you can do that. And 
um, and organize your time that way if you can get an appointment. And if the person needs what you're offering, then they will they'll want to talk to you. If if you call and say, hi, this is Rico Muhammad. Uh, I have two trucks and I service 48 states. I've said this before. You're going to lose their interest. You're no benefit to this person other than he may want you to use and abuse you and send you into some god-awful place at some time of year, like in the middle of July, send you down to uh, Miami, Florida, where there is no freight. Right. So, so you need the, to, when you make little... that call, no, when you make that call, you need to have a, uh, a USB, a unique sales position of what you do. You know, I run from here to there, or our trucks go from here to there. Um, we're, we are asset-based, and this is what we do. And it may not be a fit for, you know, for that person at all. Uh, you know, maybe it's a meat packer that's in Charlotte, North Carolina, and you run to Atlanta, but he only ships to Chicago. Right. And if that's the case, it's not going to be a fit. Would you, to, with, with in, in interest of some, let me, let's see, uh, okay, say, let's say someone doesn't have anything established, but they, they, they're listening to us right now, and they're going to take a chance. They go out, and they make a, they make a uh, sales call to somebody, and, they, and the person is willing to give them a shot, but it doesn't necessarily fall into the area that they maybe had envisioned. But if someone is, but if, 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 if someone is willing to give them a chance on a particular lane, what would you suggest to someone that's in that position? Should they maybe take a chance and try to build that build that lane out? Maybe maybe uh, uh, adapt to what it is that the customer is asking for, or try to stay focused. They, they already, but they right now they currently don't have anything. But if someone is willing to give them a shot, say if, they, if someone has a troubled lane, say if someone has something terrible like that's going down to a Miami or something like that, what would you suggest? What would you give? Um, just or advise someone in that position. Okay, so you know, there's a single owner operator out there that has a truck, and he's based in uh, he's based in Ohio, and he goes and he makes a sales call uh, on a shipper that's shipping to Miami, and twelve months a year, and he knows damn well that at least five months a year he's going to be coming back uh, at least five hundred miles. Uh, back into civilization to get a load home or 400 miles. You can do it. Just know your business. Build that into the price. And that's really important. But, you know, if you're going to make that sales call and that person's going to send you into that lane, say, let me, don't agree to it right there and then unless you really know what you're talking about. Say, let me check and let me come back to you. And then when you get home, check the load boards. This is a... You know, this is a tool that we have today that we didn't have 40 years ago or even 30 years ago. So when you get home, you can punch in, um, you know, Miami to Cincinnati. And if there are no loads and there's 5,000 trucks, then you got some work to do. And nobody's going to give you anything that's easy, most likely. They're going to give you something that's difficult. And again, you're going to have... You know, the uh, the drawback to this is if you're going to compete against one of the big guys, there's all sorts of weird and wonderful stuff they can do. They're loading freight off the, 
you know, from the ports in Miami and things like that. They're loading freight from the airport um, in Miami. They've got the upper hand. Maybe they can do it a bit cheaper. Maybe they can't. You may just lock in, and I've had those calls, but I never got any of those customers without making the call. Um, you know, I, I'll just give you a little bit of history. I've made, I'll never forget one telephone call I made once, one January, and it was to a gentleman that was shipping Commodore computers. And at that point, we had about five trucks. And uh, and I hit this guy at the right time. He had about six loads sitting at a rail siding in Chicago. And he was an old uh, Austrian or German man. And I'll never forget in his thick European accent, he said, how long would it take to get a load from Toronto to Santa Clara, California? And I said, well, we could probably do it if we really hurried in about 55 hours. And he goes, you're crazy. If you can do it in 55 hours, you've got all my business. And I hired a couple of whack jobs that, uh, that were looking for work, this team. And I think they did it in about 48 hours. And uh, they had a rider truck I'd given them, uh, and it was going to 55, and probably um, 100 miles outside Toronto, they did something to the fuel pump, and they made the thing go 90 miles an hour. And when Ryder heard about it later on, they were not impressed. But uh, darn it, those guys did pull it off, and uh, Commodore Computer became a huge account of traffic. So, you know, you can do these things, but you got to make the calls. And the more calls you make, the more successful you're going to be. But you've got to be careful if you've got one truck. You can always ask, have you got any problem lanes? And you can use that. And that's a great comeback when somebody says, well, I'm all looked after right now, Rico. Uh, you know, I've got my carriers in place. What you should say then is, well, okay, you've got all your carriers. I really respect that. I like to hear that there are people that are loyal out there. However, have you got anything giving you problems? That may be your foot in the door. And the guy says, yeah, right. you know, I've got these loads to Miami. They're killing me. And bango, you, so, you know, you've got a customer. So, okay. So now if they get that, if they get that problem lane, how do they, how do they feel? What, what suggestions would you tell someone that, that let's take the Miami? What what area in Miami could they be looking at potentially, or should they even be looking in Miami at all? Should they be looking at um, coming? Like you said, you're gonna come. You're gonna you know you're gonna dead head back up, trying to find a shipper that's taking them back the other direction. What what should, what tips or suggestions would you give someone to find those particular shippers? Well, if you've got a really good reefer. Um, there is fresh flowers coming out of Miami, but they're usually demanding a team because fresh flowers don't have any shelf life. And if you can't get fresh flowers coming out of Miami, probably most months of the year, your best thing to look for is the signs to Interstate 75 North or 95 North and get the hell out of there. Right, right. Because so there's... A, you know, you're not going to find a lot of freight there, and you need to get up into Georgia um, before you're going to find anything. You know, you may get something in Jacksonville. For, I know it's a good idea to join the Chamber of Commerce. Is, is it a good idea for someone to join the Chamber of Commerce in a, in a, in a different city or, in their, say, for instance, in their dumbbell city? 
or, or, or is it possible for them to, to even join? Oh, you can join. You know what? Anybody will take your money, Rico. I just don't know if it's a good <laughs> use of. Um, I don't think it's a good use of your of your resources as, as a rule. Um, you've got one truck or two trucks, uh, unless you're running real short lanes. You know, if you're running, um, you know, if you're running something like, you know, Atlanta to Savannah or something like that, join the Chamber of Commerce in both cities because gotcha. you can turn and burn. You know, you could have two or three trucks, you know, on that lane and you would do very well. And that's the sort of thing that I think our listeners out there need to start changing their mind on and start right. looking at those be- short lanes. That that leads me into my other question where I was going to get into it, and we kind of tapped the, tapped into it a little bit earlier. But say like for the small guy that may may have one truck, two truck, or you know maybe five trucks, something like that, would it be a, a good idea to maybe go out and look for a customer that may want someone to have drop trailers, and for that small company to go out and maybe start looking into renting some trailers? so that they can maybe exploit some drop trailer situations to where uh, with the hours of service and everything that's coming up now to where, you know, that may be an option to to have a customer and, and be able to maximize um, your, your hours of service and, and the time that you have available on your clock if you, if you can get into a drop trailer situation. What, what do you think about that? I think it's a great idea. I think that you're going to get, you know, you look at the cost of a power unit, and you look at the cost of a decent used trailer. And, you know, I know trailers have gone up in value uh, to buy a new one, but you can still buy a good used trailer for $10,000 or under. You may, you know, I bought them for as cheap as uh, 5000 bucks. You just pick up deals sometimes. And you may have to do a little bit right. of work on it, but it could be worth your while. And, you know, if you have dropped trailers on both ends, you can turn and burn. And then when you get out of that truck, another guy gets in it. And you're going to make money, and you're going to give your customer a, a wonderfully high level of service. The other thing that you could do in these times, because if we are into some more difficult times, in some, especially in some areas, is maybe work together. Maybe get two or three people you know in the same area that are like-minded and you all have the same goal, and work together cooperatively. You don't have to get into a necessarily a business partnership uh, per se, but certainly an agreement. And you go out and you sell a job, uh, you sell a customer, and you work with two or three or four other small one or two truck operators. And just so you don't confuse the billing, you just um, you set up a small brokerage that does the billing and pays you know pays you everything um, you know that you should be getting less a couple dollars for you know for doing the uh, you know for doing the paperwork. But there's another idea for you, right? That could be done as well. Um, but you know, there's all sorts of things that can be done when you get into times like this. But the drop trailer, that's that's a great start. And I know that, um, you know, we talked, and, and the time has just kind of flown by already. We've got about uh, 12 minutes left in the hour. 
I want wow. to uh, kind of go back to the basic point of what we started. I mean, you can do all of this stuff and make all of the money in the world, but if you don't, if you're not properly uh, have a good accounting system and way and place to kind of take care of and track all of your expenses, all of your uh, things that are coming in, if you don't know where the money is, you know that you're making money, but you don't you don't know where in the world it is. Not going to do you any good. So basically, you know how speak to the importance of the the real basic basic stuff that really needs to be in place for a uh, small business in order to really be serious about thriving during tough times. But yeah, you need to know your. You know, this is such a cost uh, sensitive business. You need to know every cost at all times. You need to know exactly how much every mile is costing for fuel. Are you running toll roads? That's another thing. Tolls have gotten crazy in this continent. Right. I think that... And I think... Wait, wait. No, I think some of us sometimes don't realize when we're going to certain areas how much tolls are costing. I, I look at, you know, I look at our fleet, and my God, I would love to make what we pay out in tolls. That bad, huh? It is. You know, there's 50 bucks to cross the bridge going into the U.S. Um, if we have to run into the eastern seaboard once in a while, uh, that's that's a fortune. Uh, Chicago has gotten expensive with tolls uh, just everywhere. It's it's insane. And, and I'm, one of the things I'm just trying to, you know, want to make sure that people are really sitting down and taking the time to go back, like I said, um, and not just having the trash bag full of receipts and stuff like that, but actually getting down to brass tacks and knowing um, what their fixed costs are, you know, knowing what their variable costs are and having a breakdown on all of the stuff and not just having, uh, I, I put a, a, a sheet out there that has fixed costs and variable costs and all that stuff out there. I put a, like a little spreadsheet out there, but those are like projections. It's cool to have projections, but do you have those actual numbers of your actual expenditures? Do you have that in front of you? Do you have a way to track that so that you can uh, uh, be aware as to what's going on? Uh, one of the biggest things that, that Kevin Rutherford always talks about every month, do you have a profit and loss statement for your business every month? It's one of the main things that um, to help you stay aware of the numbers. Do you know uh, this week what your cost per mile was this week? Um, just being aware, intimately aware of those numbers. How important, you know, and you, you know, you guys are there in traffic, you know, you got the brokers and you also have the asset base, and that's something that I want to come back to in a minute. But uh, just talk about the importance of really just being aware of those numbers. You have to know what things are costing, or you won't know what to charge, and you won't know how you're doing. You know, it's like backing up your truck without looking in the mirrors. So the end of every week, you really need to do, you know, if you do it weekly and you figure out how your week was, and it's real easy. If you, The more you break it down, the easier it becomes. So if you break down your week and then you, you, you know what everything costs every week, you know how much revenue you brought in, then the monthly 
are really easy. You just add up all your weeklies. You have four weeks to most months. And now you know what you did a month. And then you just, now your annual statements are a piece of cake. And you know all along. Because what can happen in this business very easily is if if you're doing something wrong and you find out about it a month later, you can lose a lot of money, Rico. So if you do it weekly, then you'll know exactly where you are. And you can fix things before they get real bad. I've had this happen where years ago where we didn't check close enough. And there were we were doing one particular lane that I thought we were making a fortune on. And the controller came to me and he said, this lane is shit, pardon my language. And uh, I said, no, you're, you're out of your mind. I said, this is a good lane. This, you know, we're getting, uh, I forget what we were getting at the time. We were getting $1.50 a mile. I said, nobody gets this price out of here. And he said, well, I don't know. Uh, I don't know anything about, uh, about that. And you know what? When we broke it down, it took him and I a couple hours. Broke that down. We saw that this thing was costing me a fortune. I wasn't making money. It was costing me money to service that customer on that lane. So sometimes we can get mesmerized, and something looks really, really good. And it's just like that guy is getting $2.25 a mile going to Miami. And he thinks he's winning the war, but he's not taking into consideration the 500 miles empty he's driving up to Atlanta. Right. Right. And, and that, uh, that's why it's... Said something earlier, and I think that I don't know. I call me crazy, but it, it, I've had a little success when I've used it when I've made a couple of sales calls, and um, wanted to maybe bounce this off of you as well. But you said when you're making that sales call and when you're talking to someone, how important is it to make sure that you mention that you are, you are an asset-based provider versus you're being fair. You're telling the it's important because you're telling the the potential buyer what you do. If, what are you going to do, Rico, if you're a one-truck operator and he said, wow, this is great. I want you to quote me on you know, uh, loads to Atlanta, uh, Raleigh, Seattle, uh, Spokane, and he names off 40 states. What are you doing then? Oh, well, I'm sorry. Whoa, 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 whoa. We, don't, you know, we only have one truck. Tell him. Be honest right. with your customer. Don't start embellishing. First of all, if the customer is interested in using you and he does his diligence, and if he's a good customer that you would want, he does his diligence, he's going to look and he's going to check your authority and your insurance. When they check your authority, they're going to find out that you only have one truck. Now you look like a liar and you've lost your integrity. They'll treat you the same way. How, but well, how do you make that? How do you? Is there a way that when you're going into that customer to differentiate yourself from all of the different brokers that are calling them? You know, how how would a, a one or two truck guy? I'm, I'm just trying to inspire some people to let them know that you know, um, you know, one of the things that, that a sales pitch that I use, I don't, I hate to call it a sales pitch, but I like to try to say it's I'm going to help try to inform my customer or my, or my potential customer is that. Look, understand that the broker doesn't have cargo insurance. I've got cargo insurance dealing with an asset-based provider. 
I try to drum up the more of the benefits of using an asset based provider versus if I'm trying to if I'm trying to get away uh, some stuff from away from a broker. And, and I know that, I know you you having uh, trucks and also being a broker, it, it, it's kind of but I'm kind of asking you to give us a little bit of secret sauce here. Well, I've you know what I've sold from all positions. I, I've sold as a carrier. I've sold as a broker. Um, I've sold as both. And uh, there are some companies out there that will not and do not want to deal with low brokers for whatever reason. They only want to deal with carriers. And there are some companies out there that do not want to deal with carriers. They only want to deal with load brokers because they don't want to make a whole bunch of phone calls. They want to call one number and let them look after it. And there are some companies that don't care either way. But you still need the 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 foot in the door, number one, is the fact that you are asset-based. That gives you some credibility. And again, the other thing you should be able to do is when you make that call, tell them what you specialize in. You know, if you are, if you have a, a reefer there and it's, you know, you're, you're fortunate it's a, it's a new reefer, you know, I, we run brand new equipment. I have, you know, brand new reefers. And maybe somebody that's shipping expensive meat product would love to use you. Where maybe if you have an older reefer, somebody that's shipping a product that isn't that expensive, but it's a food product, um, you know, it's got to be kept cool. Let's just say some sort of a specialty beer or something. Um, they'd be glad to use you. There's a market for everything. You just have to be the one to get out there and do it. And again, the more calls you make, the more successful you're going to be. Okay, so the hour pretty much just blew by us there, Chuck. Um, Did it ever? You want to tell us a little bit? Of, <laughs> it always flies when we when we have you on. Know, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to come and chat it up with us here. Um, no, I tell us a little bit about your blog. That, 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 tell us a little bit about the blog that you put out here recently. Well, um, I did one on Uber because I'm seeing this fight between Uber and the taxi companies, the identical fight that we fought over 30 years ago uh, for truck deregulation. And, you know, some of your listeners won't believe this, but our authorities used to be based on commodities and geographical areas and... uh, and named customers and all sorts of things. And it was silly. And the governments, both state and federal and provincial and sometimes even municipal, all got into, they all got their hands into controlling trucking and what we were charging even. You used to have to file a rate tariff with the Interstate Commerce Commission before you give a customer a rate. You talk about, you know, antiquated nonsense. And the taxi industry in 2015 has pretty much still run the same way. So in Toronto, there's been a lot of uh, press about this war going on between the taxi companies and Uber. And Toronto has a fairly progressive city hall. They're caught in the middle because they're trying to please both sides. And they know, I really believe that they know in their heart that this whole taxi situation is ridiculous, and a taxi license in Toronto is worth somewhere about $150,000. So what we have are all these poor little immigrants that come here from 
you know, all these impoverished countries and they rent a taxi and they rent a license and these poor buggers are working 90 hours a week sometimes and they're paying exorbitant fees because they are renting a $150,000 investment. That's what that piece of paper is worth. And it's high time that this whole thing was scrapped because the market isn't being served because anytime I've used one of these Uber cars, it's phenomenal. It's a beautiful car. The driver is uh, is friendly. He'll take you wherever you want to go. And it's cheaper because he doesn't have the overhead of the $150,000. And City Hall in Toronto, just like an awful lot of other cities, does not want to make a decision because, you know, they're, they're trying to please the cab owner or the cab license owners and they're trying to leave status quo which can no longer exist because these this whole license thing came out when cars got wheels and motors and it probably was even around before that uh when you know horses and buggies took people around and it's time it changed and it's just like trucking and i know that an awful lot of people in the trucking industry got decimated when deregulation came out because they had borrowed money to buy trucking licenses or they had pledged their trucking license as a um, as collateral for loans. And they woke up one morning and found out that the, these trucking licenses weren't worth wiping their nose with. And there was a change in market. And all of a sudden, uh, in your country, those big firms like J.B. Hunt, Schneider, Werner, um, you know, and all the rest, Celadon, and all the rest of them, that's when they really came out. Uh, a lot of them were born out of deregulation. And it's good for the market. And everybody complained at first, but it's really good for the economy when you can share the wealth. And it doesn't go back to some antiquated system. And I just, you know, the more I kept reading about this Uber fight, the more it infuriated me that these poor little immigrants we're being taken advantage of, although they're fighting against Uber because they see their livelihood uh, being taken away from them. What, and what really has to happen is they, they just have to scrap this system throughout North America. It doesn't work. And that's why I got involved here and uh, lent my two cents. And boy, I'll tell you, I've had an awful lot of emails and phone calls. Uh, most of them totally agree with where, where we're going with this. And I think eventually you'll see Uber get involved in our in our industry to some degree. Uh, I know yeah, in I Hong Kong... There's a lot of... There's a lot of... It's funny you say that. As a, as a company right now that's kind of ahead of the curve, but they're only operating in a couple of markets, uh, cargo made a Cargomatic or something like that. Uh, and, and there's a couple... There, there are more than one, but of course, you know, everybody knows about U-Shift and all the other things like that. And I believe that, you know, with the... As much as technology has moved forward and everybody's walking around with the smartphone, I really believe that there is a uh, platform and there's a viable way for it to happen, whether or not you can get a big fish to be an early adopter to kind to uh, help give it the feet that it needs to, uh, to to progress forward. That's going to be, that's, that's probably the $64,000 question right there. It's going to be very difficult because... Number one, there's a real difference between me putting my rear end into a car and 
you know, because I've called Uber or I, or, or I uh, texted them or uh, emailed them and me loading up $200,000 worth of freight on a truck I don't really know. There's a whole big difference. And to this day, business, although it's they're trying to gear away from it, when I see they, big business is trying to take the relationship out of moving freight. And you'll see more and more companies go with RFQs, and there's some really slick third-party operations that manage the RFQs, and they do everything possible. Well, well let's go. go uh, we, just, we just had a really big acquisition that took place in the industry. What do you think? What's, you know, uh, do you have an opinion on the uh, XTO buyout of Conway? Uh, shaking my head. <laughs> you know what? I think that this guy, I think this guy from Expo is, is brilliant. Um, he's, he's done fantastic. Um, he's built a, he's built an empire on a non-asset based platform and done very well with it. And now all of a sudden, man, has he bought assets? <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, but what he has bought, he's bought a lot of information. How? What do you mean by that? Well, when he just bought Conway, that gives them a gold mine of shippers' information throughout this continent, and they own. Uh, they, there's a whole bunch of uh, third-party brokerage companies, so. They're probably going to go after an awful lot of that information that they have available to them. They have the contacts. They have all of it. So they'll, they'll get their money's worth. These are smart, smart people. Absolutely. Well, Chuck, uh, but I do shake man, my head. I going by, <laughs> don't want to, don't want to, don't want to uh, uh, be too. Uh, overstep our bounds with your time and everything, but if someone wants to get in contact with you, um, interested in maybe pulling a load for you guys or, or maybe even contracting with you guys, how can people get in contact with you? Well, you can email me, uh, Chuck at traffic. That's T R A F F I X.com. Uh, our website is www.traffics.com. Uh, you can call me. I do answer phone calls, and I do return emails. The uh, phone number here is 800-388-4352. My extension is 203. And I do move loads uh, domestically through our third-party brokerage service traffics, um, and we move loads domestically in the U.S. So whether you're a reefer, dry van, or an open deck carrier, there's a chance we have something for you. I may not have it tomorrow, but you want to get your, you know, you, you want to make the contact, get your name in here, and we'd certainly, we want to do business with people. Um, we like dealing with the small guys. We actually prefer to deal with smaller carriers with the, the one to 10 truck operator. Um, we offer quick pay. We've been doing this for 36 years, and uh, I'm here to help everybody that needs help. Um, I really feel that this is an opportunity for me to give back to a, an industry and, and a profession that's given so much to my family and I, and that's why I love doing this.
And it's an honor to be on this show, Rico. I really appreciate it. Chuck, no, we thank you. We appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to come on and maybe and share some nuggets with us to help uh, help get us our business up to the next level and, and even give us some different tactics and strategies that we might be able to use. And ladies and gentlemen, I want to take this time uh, closing out the show. I want, I want to service you guys more. So I need some input back from you guys. I need you guys to tell me some of the things that you have questions about that we might be able to address here. Some of the issues that you are issues and concerns that you are confronted with on a daily basis that we might be able to go out and, and try to do some research and bring it back here for the, for the, for the whole and, and share and disseminate that information and get it out there. If there's a topic that we haven't touched on yet, or if there's something that you, you need a little more clarity on, if we can help provide that for you, by all means, shoot us a question, shoot us some information over to the Facebook page. Of course, you can always go, um, you can email me directly at Rico R I C O. 864 at Gmail. That is my email account. That's Rico, R-I-C-O, 864 at Gmail. Uh, that's my direct personal email account. If, if you got a question or something like that that we could do to try to help shed some more light and bring some more information to you to help um, not only yourself or someone else that may be going through some things, by all means, shoot us, shoot us an email or a question. And if we don't have the answer, we're going to try to find someone with the uh, amount of resources that we have available we're going to try to find someone to try to get an answer to your question. Uh, and if we can't or if we don't have the answer, we, by all means, we're not too proud to just say flat out we do not know. <laughs> and with that said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we would like to, we'd like to thank, again, Chuck Snow for taking time out of his busy schedule for joining, joining us and sharing information with us. And that pretty much is going to wrap it up for tonight's Rakes and Lanes podcast. This has, this has been Rico Muhammad coming to you live from Forest Park. Georgia and Chuck Snow coming from where you at up there in Canada, Chuck? Milton, Ontario, Canada, just outside Toronto. Yes, sir. Well, Chuck's coming from you just outside of Toronto, up that way, and uh, we appreciate your time and your and for your in your participation tonight on the night's podcast. Look forward to talking with you and sharing more information with you guys next week, same time, same uh, uh, call in number three four seven six seven seven one seven nine nine. Look forward to speaking with you guys next week. Everybody be safe. Take care of yourself and your family. God bless you and good night. Good night, Chuck. God bless. Good night. Good night, Rico. Thanks for joining us on Rates and Lanes. If you like what you heard here, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or listen to our other shows at audioroad.letstruck.com. To get in touch with our tribe, call us at 855-800-PUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Thanks for joining us for the ride down the audio road.